A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This episode is sponsored by Try Vegan, a vegan meal home delivery service that is nutritious and delicious and makes your life easier. Based out of New Jersey, they deliver throughout the Northeast. Check out more details on their website, tryveganmealprep.com. And you can get 25% off your first order with the promo code LITYOGA. So go vegan. Good movement and welcome to Redefining Yoga, a lit yoga podcast, which is designed to investigate all aspects of the modern evolution of yoga from my background as a physical therapist and lover of movement. My mission is to help everyone find freedom through smarter and safer movement patterns so together we can be uplifted, benefiting all beings. Okay, welcome the yoga couple. The yoga couple. Thank Matt you. and Ash, I'm so glad to have you on here. excited to be here. Thank you. Yes, thank yeah, you. yeah. Let's get started with um, the yoga couple. That is, um, yeah, that's quite quite the title. Like, how did you come up with that? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So our, our whole thing with the name, it's so funny because back in the day, you know, Instagram used to be like a totally different place, you know, and uh, we tried to pick a name that we felt like represent us and our totality and our wholeness. And at one point we were totally doing like all the cool handstand poses and all of the asana and all the things and showing off all the cool travel photos, but it really evolved into, it's a, it's a beautiful process because it really evolved into encompassing what we feel is the, you know, the wholeness of the practice. It's, it's the foundation of our relationship being rooted in self-awareness and self-reflection and you know, we ended up writing a book together, the inner work, which I'm sure we'll we'll talk about. But really, the inward practice of yoga became the the roots and the foundation of our lives and and our relationship. And I think the reason why we we're still married. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think definitely um, it's it's pretty fitting because you know we we've bounced around a lot of other ideas, but yoga really does perfectly encompass kind of what our entire relationship is, is based on is a foundation, you know, kind of, it's funny when we met and we talked about what is our top priorities in life. It's like to us, it's, it's self-realization and enlightenment, mm-hmm. which is the whole path of yoga. So I think the yoga couple is pretty fitting <laughs> seeing how that is like literally what we eat, sleep and breathe. But it's funny. Cause we, we don't really have any uh, documentation of us doing any physical yoga poses. <laughs> 
So a lot, like, lot less awesome and basic yeah, at this yeah. point, but yeah. That's so. How did you meet? Did you meet in in a yoga setting? So I actually, uh, sort of, I guess. Yeah, I actually found Matt accidentally, or we'll say like spontaneously. I I found his blog, and his blog. I was I was actually looking up a yoga retreat center, and I wanted to go have this like alone time for processing my life. And I was looking up a center to go visit, and in that research. I was searching like white Lotus retreat center because I wanted to go to this very specific place in Santa Barbara. And I couldn't remember the name and I'm searching all these terms and I stumble upon Matt's blog and his blog was all about, you know, this whole thing, (laughs) self-reflection, self-realization, inner work, and, you know, committing to a spiritual lifestyle and the benefits of that. And I just totally dove into his writing and actually thought he was like an old man the way he writes. And I was like, oh, <laughs> this is perfect. Maybe I found my teacher. I should go <laughs> take a workshop from this teacher. Right. So I'm looking him up and um, on the Google search, it's like all these pictures of this handsome, like 20 something year old. I'm like, there's no way that this is this guy. Right. Like he should be out like being a, being a playboy and he's here writing about <laughs> these topics. And um, yeah, I, f- I found him that way. And I, I kind of Facebook stalked him. We didn't have uh, all the social media channels back then. This was like eight years ago. And so I, I found him on Facebook, you know, the dinosaur social media. And I added him as a friend because like he didn't have Instagram or anything like this. And uh, we started talking in messages and started talking about things that matter. We started talking about what do we think the purpose of our life is? And, you know, what's what's the whole human experience about? And we just, you know, I told him I was a fan of his writing and it, and it unfolded into a romance. Mm-hmm. What she's leaving out is she had a boyfriend at the time. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> and and so you know we were just minor detail. <laughs> yeah. Long, long story short, on it is we you know we were just talking about yoga philosophy and our passion for the the practice and things like that at first, and then eventually you know I started like falling for her, and I said, okay, well we're at a point where I really want to you know pursue this relationship to another level more than just enjoying our passion for yoga together as friends. But instead, you know, like what's what's going on with your relationship? And long story short, you know, she really meditated on it and pondered it and realized that she wanted a more spirit. She she had been searching for a more spiritually aligned relationship. And um, again, long story short, we, she left her boyfriend. We started a whole new life together. I moved to Vegas where she was living. And within like a month, we were, were living, living together. together and okay, getting I was ready like to 23, 24 open, years old. Like, studio. you know, it was, it was that's wonderful. Home. That's a hopeless romantic. I love it. I love it. That's wonderful. You like when, I mean, cause again, like what's to lose, right? You just end up maybe not like, you know, not working out or something, but there's so much to gain. And clearly yeah. you have then created this amazing universe for yourself. Yeah, we knew. We definitely knew. We knew right away. Yeah, mm-hmm. we knew. Sure. It was, it was uncanny. It was like, I remember when we started writing each other, it was a, a trippy feeling because it felt like we were reading our own journal, like the way we write, the way, we, and that's why, you know, I think we went on to write, we Both write, together. we write together because it is really trippy. Like it feels like, um, yeah, like that's the only way to word it is. It's like, it's like a mirror. We're reading our own, you know, mm. stuff in a sense. And so it was, it was really trippy, but it all worked out. Yeah. It's been beautiful. That's wonderful. Can you talk a little bit about your individual backgrounds? What led you into this like you were just saying, Ash, this kind of search for more of a spiritual um, relationship and not just with yourself, but with others. What, what was your background like growing up mm. that 
Um, because that was pretty young to to start searching for that. A lot of times people in their entire 20s start to realize like there is something more, but it doesn't usually happen as as young as it was. Was there anything that propelled you in that direction? Yeah. Yeah. So I grew up in Las Vegas and that alone, like that city that alone, alone <laughs> <laughs> has so much, uh, you know, meaning for me. It, it really is an, an extreme sense reveals like all of the, the, the spectrum of the human experience, right? Like we can, we can fully see in Las Vegas that there's this, uh, desire, you know, in our human nature to want to explore that more rebellious darkness, like experimentation with desire. Right. And so I grew up all around that strip clubs, nightclubs, like, you know, sex, drugs, money everywhere. Like my parents worked, you know, my mom worked on the strip and, um, I did too, eventually when, when I became of age and I was just totally incubated. And like, what I feel is like, I don't know. now I look back and it's like a Kali energy to me, like the, you know, the, the mother goddess teaching me through darkness and like putting it right in my face. And because of being in that, I realized pretty quickly, like, maybe this isn't what I want. Um, it's so extreme and there has to be something else. Cause I, I didn't really get to see, you know, anything else growing up in Las Vegas. But the second part of that is that my mom, you know, she was addicted to narcotics since I was a, a young girl and, you know, my alcoholism and, and with my dad and, they were fully embracing like substance use, like my whole life. And I had some very scary experiences growing up, you know, being home alone with my mom while she was on drugs. And I, it just, it woke me up and inspired me, you know, when I was a teenager to want to find something, spirituality, religion. I didn't grow up with religion. And I started searching. I literally, when I got my driver's license, this is so, I think a unique thing, but I wrote down all of my questions about life and God. And, you know, my parents didn't have those answers for me. And I'm here in Las Vegas growing up in this, you know, household with, you know, addiction in it. And so I went and I interviewed all these different religions and all of these churches. And I set on this like little journey within my own city to get my questions answered. And at that time I found Jiva Mukti Yoga and I went into the studio and it was bhakti and we were singing and chanting and we did the, the breath work and the yoga. And I laid in Shavasana and I just, my heart exploded. I broke down and cried. Uh, I think I was like 16 or 17 years old. And it was like one of the most profound experiences. And I felt love. I felt mm. love of the divine, like at, at that age. And I, I never looked back. I just went full in. I found like the Hare Krishnas. I found the Bhagavad Gita. I like, I just, I, I just dove into it. I loved it so much. And I knew that, you know, I could create a life that was different than the narrative of my family and like my lineage of, you know, abuse and, um, all the stuff that my family has experienced generation after generation. If I, if I went a different path. And so that's kind of what happened for me is I knew like, I want to go this different path. And so I was really seeking a partner or even friendship that was somebody who, who could be on that journey with me. And that's where Matt came in. Wow. That's beautiful. And what it really, really illustrates is the craving we have for meaning Mm -hmm. and for stability, you know, I mean, that essence of really feeling grounded and, 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 um, you know, in many different ways it's expressed in those early childhood years, but that, that you went seeking it and you knew like at an intuitive level, um, that that's what would make you feel more whole. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, I think and not searching in the form of you know drugs or alcohol or some other forms. Yeah, totally. And I yeah. saw where that led. Like I saw the consequences of that before even I got to experiment with it. Mm-hmm. And I think honestly, that's what saved me from it because yeah. I was able to witness the consequences from an outsider's perspective. Uh, really obviously, you know, whereas Matt, you'll hear, has a completely opposite experience mm-hmm. of growing up and, you know, experimented in a completely different way uh, because of, you know, being sheltered and, and having this other experience. Yeah. Yeah. I was just going to second that. One of the biggest things I, I really appreciate from Ash's journey, because our upbringings are literally entirely opposite. Um, I love that, that gift of discernment she had because I definitely didn't. So it's it's something I admire in her that she got to see, you know, being in such a peculiar place growing up, she got to see the the really negative outcomes to those karmic choices. And and I and it's awesome that she she took that wisdom and discernment and then made positive choices with it rather than destructive. Cause you know, a lot of people don't necessarily just because you see it doesn't mean, you know, it's like think of all the addicts in the world. No, it's much more likely to repeat it, right? Which doesn't make sense, but it's, that's what's wired. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like logically we might know, oh, this is not good for me, but it doesn't mean we stop. So Mm -hmm. I, I just, I just wanted to second that. I really, that's one of my favorite things of her journey is I, I just admire that discernment that she has. Mm Thanks. Yeah. Thanks, honey. Tell Uh, tell your story though. Yeah. So let's hear about yours. So you came out, you were like, so my Ivy League upbringing or something. Yeah, mine is like <laughs> totally like just very stereotypical um, in a in a very like privileged way, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, I was raised in a really wholesome, good family with religion and and a um, lot of like core family values. You know, like I I'm an Eagle Scout. Yeah. You know, like. <laughs> You know, like I'm a straight A student. Um, um, I was raised to be a doctor. I I, I kind of did the, that whole route. So I graduated high school at 15, started college early because I wanted to be a doctor. And I was like, all right, well, being a doctor is this super long route. So I'm going to get started early. So um, I think I had my bachelor's by bachelor's degree by 20 and I got it in psychology. And then I started working in inpatient psychiatry. And, um, during that time, since I went to college so early, I mean, I couldn't even drive my first few months of college. My mom had to drop me (laughs) off at college and I was trying to do the dookie housing thing, you know, like I was trying to like be a doctor by like my early twenties. And, um, anyway, so it was just funny, you know, that, that was my whole thing. I was just obsessed with pursuing, um, healing. You know, I knew I wanted to help people. My dad kind of again, that classic cliche thing of like, be a doctor or a lawyer. You know, I got that whole thing indoctrinated into me and I, I resonated more with being a doctor. And so I was very like pushed into that white collar lifestyle. And um, along the way though, I started to not like it and it didn't really resonate with me. And then I actually did all the experimenting and rebelled like crazy and pushed back against the religion, pushed back against the family core values became an addict in so many different ways. And it's ironic because I actually had to lose myself. Mm-hmm. And then ironically, now looking back at this, you know, I don't know, 20 year journey, this has been of, of wandering. 
it's ironic because I've actually just full circle come right back to the values I was raised with. It's just, I had to have my own authentic understanding of them. Um, mm. You know, for example, my parents, let's say, let's say uh, not using drugs and alcohol, like being a sober person. I had to literally go be an addict for 15 years to realize why that is important. <laughs> you know, like why <laughs> why that it's is... not a good idea to ha- do all the drugs. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Even though, even though it's like my parents were like, yeah, Matt, like, that's why we told you, <laughs> like, don't do it, man. And but sometimes I... it's in the delivery. You know what I mean? I oh, think it's it totally like, if, is. right. If it's just like, you don't do that because drugs are bad. 100%. Like I remember my dad who is like my hero and I mean, he, know, he died three years ago and, you know, but he said to me, and I love this, he goes, drugs aren't bad. They just can make you make bad decisions. And I thought, mm-hmm. I don't want to make bad. Like, it was just such a like, whoa, because there was no yeah. judgment. It was just like, this is why it might, you know, it might not be yep. a good idea. And that was just like, oh, I don't want to make bad decisions. So I won't do that. It wasn't like you're a bad right. person, right? Yeah. So anyway, yep. go back it's to 100%, you. 100%, yeah. 100% the delivery for sure. For sure. It's always, it's definitely that. And that, you know, with our healing work that we do now, that's why I'm, I'm actually always really kind of obsessed with how I deliver when I work with people, because I just know how important that is to not, it can, it, the teaching itself, right? We see this in yoga all the time is the teaching is beautiful, but how it's delivered and when it's delivered, one person's medicine can be another person's poison because how it gets delivered could actually cause harm when it gets delivered could cause harm because the person's not quite ready for that. So anyway, my, the, the story goes, you know, I, I pursued this traditional route, becoming a doctor. Um, and I got, I, I eventually settled into, um, after wor- working in inpatient psychiatry for a year, uh, I just was fascinated this, by psychology. I was always kind of drawn to psychology. I was fascinated by the mind and eventually went into, I chose naturopathic medicine because it resonated the most with me of like true healing. And, um, within my first year in naturopathic medicine, I just, I realized I learned more about the placebo effect, the idea that we can, you can give a human literally nothing and their body will have a response. Well, that, that fascinated me that you can give someone a pill that has no physiological effect, but they will spontaneously heal from it like a third of the time. So that to me was just like game over because I was mm-hmm. obviously obsessed. I already had a knack for studying the mind. So I was like, oh, I got to study that. So then I left, I left medical, uh, the naturopathic school because it was too, I just realized I have a, clearly I have a special interest here. So I instead went to a therapy program to focus just purely on the mind. And so I went into a union, you know, Carl Jung based therapy program to be a therapist. But then within, again, same within that first year, same stuff. I just realized, well, this isn't taking into consideration like consciousness and, and spirit. And we need to talk about that. And there needs to be a spiritual context. So then I left again. And then I found my teacher who was more yoga enlightenment based and that, that was able to finally, you know, I found my actual real healing path, which was how to incorporate all of these worlds, you know, body, mind, and spirit to truly help people heal, to alleviate human suffering. And that's kind of where I found yoga is through the path of trying to be the ultimate healer. Mm-hmm. And I realized like, well, yoga kind of has it all because yeah. <laughs> they talk about check, all those check, realms. Check, check, yeah. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> I know, it is. it is, And so much. it's so hard to have that like in a two-minute elevator speech, <laughs> you know, but it, it's like, just trust me, you got to experience it. Um, mm-hmm. So 
You're so yeah. So what do you do now with that? It sounds like you guys do a lot. You do some work together, this inner work. You do that as with other couples, and then do you work in, with individuals as well? Tell me a little bit about your yeah. work. Is it I, uh, all collaborative, or do you do some work in, independent of each other? Yeah, a little bit of both. We we work together and we work individual. And uh, I I guess the the what sums up what we do is we help people to to self heal. It's it's all mm. about uh, people realizing that they have the power to be their own healers. And whether that's as an individual or within the relationship or whether it's healing, you know, trauma and conditioning and programming of, you know, self-sabotaging personality traits, or it's healing a physical ailment, it's the system of inner work is what we, you know, coined it as is it works on all the planes, like Matt was saying, body, mind, and spirit. And it works as an individual and it's required and useful for us to have healthy relationships for us to all be doing our inner work. And so that's, that's really what the basis of everything that we do is, is, is teaching people or guiding people on how to self heal and how to do their inner work so that they can have the results that they're looking for. And oftentimes are kind of getting exhausted in the the systems that we're so accustomed to, you know, like going to therapy for 10 years and not seeing progress or getting put on medication. Um, when, when people are exhausted and not seeing the results that they want, they start to look for these alternative healing solutions. And that's kind of where people find us is it's Mm -hmm. like these things that might've been considered more woo woo, you know, like right. Right. These, uh, visualization processes and going back into our childhood and then doing mantra and breath work. And it's like things you, you might not have been right away open to until you've exhausted every other route. And then they have these profound shifts. So, uh, we, we have, you know, these yoga classes and experiences that aren't really like the yoga that people are accustomed to seeing as like a workout, but more so for this, for to heal. Like our classes are really designed to like heal an inner child wound or like face rejection or shame. And the whole experience of asana, breath work, meditation is a journey for you to process something and to come out of it with a result. And we use a lot of Kundalini Kriyas and stuff, but Matt also does counseling. So he works with people one-on-one. He has clients all over the world and, you know, usually does like a three month, what he calls his hero's journey with them, uh, where he guides them through this self-healing hero's journey. Hero's yeah. journey exactly. mm, I love it. In my, my opinion, the healing journey is definitely a hero's journey. It is <laughs> a hero's there's, journey. There's, there's so many shadows we have to face. Yeah. We also what have is, the book yeah. though, like mm-hmm. when people can yeah. like get in contact with us, like that's why we wrote the book. The inner work book is like, it's like a manual for you to do this yeah. yourself. Mm, I love that. Oh, I love that. So um, for those who um, are not familiar with it, but are going to perhaps get it now, tell, what are some what are some of the first stages that you um, take people through in this journey um, as individuals mm. or in like a group setting? in a yoga class mm. or wherever it might be. What are, what are some of the first um, thing? Like I, I know at a macro level, all the way down to micro level, to me, it's pretty obvious. It's got to be obser- observing, right? Like mm-hmm. once you unveil something, whether it's behavior, self-destructive, um, whether it's repetitive cycles, whether it's relationship, like once it's revealed, it's really hard to, to not do something about it. People still do, but as it becomes... At some point, it becomes no longer like irrevocably, you know, 
you've got to go in a different direction. Is that one of the first stages you would say is that like starting to observe? 100%. Yeah. The first thing that comes to mind is um, whenever I start, for example, with the, the hero's journey experience, First and foremost, we're always starting out by understanding that they're, that the mind is running on programs. So that is pivotal. We have to understand that. We have to understand that we are not our thoughts. That is like the first uh, realization we, the person has to have because so long as we don't have that realization, our ego will forever control us. So as we know in, in yoga, the whole path is to transcend the ego and to stop being so controlled and manipulated by it. So how are we going to do that? Right. So it's like, first and foremost, like you said, yes, observe. And then taking that observation to discover. So first is just to witness it. Right. So like you nailed it. It's like, yeah, you have to even be able to watch your thoughts in the first place. So first is like, oh, this thing just kind of automatically does whatever it wants. And then from there we say, cool. So yeah, we all have that. It's all do. We all are dealing with that. Now, the next thing is now, do you notice a pattern? Mm-hmm. And then that's where we, we start to look for programs because let's say you, you start listening to your thoughts. You know, we say, Hey, welcome. You know, let's, let's start this journey. You're going to just start by observing what are your patterns. And the person says, man, I notice every day I'm judgmental as heck. All I do is judge myself, judge other people, judge, judge, judge. Or maybe they're like, I'm frustrated. I'm always frustrated, impatient. Da, da, da. We start to look for a program and we call these themes of consciousness. And so we call it a theme because what we will notice as we observe our patterns is they are a consistent topic they, that just gets projected onto any topic, any, anything the ego sees. So it'll mm. judge the weather. If, so if like judgment is the person's theme, they'll judge themselves, they'll judge their partner, they'll judge the economy, they'll judge the world, they'll judge other people. They'll, it, it doesn't matter what the ego will use, but the theme will be consistent. So that's like the first big thing is to help people see that there is such a thing as a program that is then projecting onto things to seek validation for itself. So the so first and foremost is like trying to understand how the mind works and how it does this and that it's not their fault. It's just called, it's conditioning. We all get conditioned. Yeah. And then after that conditioning process, uh, I found in like a lot of the yoga and maybe even like uh, Buddhist uh, ways of, of going through this process of of self-discovery. It's like, okay, now you see that now just let it go. I think what makes us different is that we really allow people to be in the wound and we're like, it's, you know, it's okay for you to be there and to have anger or to feel pain. And we don't need to just detach from it and let it go. Once we're aware of it, you can be with that for a while and you can process it and you can ask all those, you know, questions you have of like, well, why, why, why am I like this? Right? Like what we notice is people want to get to the root. They want to know where, well, where did this come from? Where did I learn that? Why am I like this? It's very hard for the ego to just detach and let go. If we were able to detach and let go, we'd be enlightened, right? Like that right. sounds, it sounds so easy to do. We'd all be happy all the time. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's like, we really encourage people to actually be wherever they are in the journey and stop demonizing these lower quote unquote emotions or these yeah. lower frequencies, like anger, isn't wrong, you know, mm-hmm. uh, judgment and guilt that you, you carry that's not wrong. Yeah. It uh, has a, it has a very healthy time in place actually. So that I think that definitely is something that's very unique is we want people to understand that there is a, all these things that we as a collective, like healing community kind of brush off as all oh, these are negative. We need to fix these. 
we actually take the stance of, well, actually it's there for a reason. It's trying to help you and it's okay that it's there. Cause a lot of times there's a lot of guilt around having lower these, yeah. these un, we, we're trying to, I'm trying to get better at saying this more frequently of they're just unpleasant. It's not that they're negative because negative in our brain can get turned into a judgment. So Very it's like, binary. they're yeah. just unpleasant. They're just uncomfortable. So let's just call them uncomfortable emotions. Uh, when, when we have these unpleasant emotions, they're totally there for a reason though. They have a message, they have a, a healthy time and place. And I think that's, what's really interesting. And when we allow people to be in that experience of looking at that and they start to find out, mm-hmm. oh, well, this was passed down to me and you know what, my mom and my mm-hmm. dad, and, and they were behaving this way. And then I think I developed this as a coping mechanism and, oh, and then the whole thing, the, the dots are getting, when we just allow people to be in that journey, that's that self-healing journey because it naturally falls away. Like mm-hmm. you naturally let it go because you've made peace with it. And mm-hmm. so, uh, like the, the themes of consciousness, we, we kind of have them mapped out like a hero's journey, right? Like a map that you go, you go like through the valley of your shadow and you face all your demons. And then you kind of like get some courage and you start hiking up the mountain and you have all these epiphanies. And then you kind of like go down and descend into the bliss. And we, we really encourage people to just be on that journey and be wherever you are. And that self-inquiry process of wanting to connect the dots is helpful it's, it's great. It's necessary. And so all the work that we do is like guiding people on that journey of it's kind of like getting to know themselves, you know, Mm -hmm. for the first time. Now, I know there's probably a lot of different wounds or, um, conditioning, but is there, has there in the last, not like four to five years become a, a very more common one that like you see, consistently with people? That's a good loaded question. Let's see if we don't get in hot water on this one. We have some pretty, for, uh, we have some pretty strong stances on a couple big topics that we see in the world that are a big problem. Um, so for any of those who know us or follow us, you'll, uh, or are going to be, you will notice we we're a big advocate about one big topic for sure. Um, that I'll bring up and that is the dangers of of desire and, and specifically instant gratification and pornography and substance use, yeah. substance use and alcohol. So it's a big, this is one of the biggest things that we see as a big red flag. Um, and what I'm constantly counseling through every relationship I ever work with, this is causing an issue. Yeah. Um, every individual person's journey, especially men, it's causing an issue and it's like, we gotta, we gotta work through it. Cause on a I'm really glad you're bringing this up. Cause I had an instinct that just like all journey through time, there's got to be something that the world is really circulating in right now that is, uh, that needs to be, you know, people like you need to help with the healing. And it's when it becomes like happening, at such a frequency, isn't the word, but consistent noise of it. We like almost don't pay attention and it, but it, I'm sure the damage is, is there and it's obvious. So I'm, I was, I had a feeling. So you would say the addiction for men, for instance, in pornography has, has really exploded in the last five years. Yeah, maybe, maybe 10. It's, yeah. But, it's but since the internet started to get better and better. Um, so yeah, definitely the last decade, it is a, a, the real epidemic and, that is like 
blasting through relationships and every healthy self-esteem out there. And, and the porn use we would say, and, you know, alcohol use or any substance use is really just the action. It's like the side effect of this theme of consciousness, right? It's like, Mm -hmm. we're looking at like consciousness and then we're saying, well, what does this theme of consciousness desire? What does it talk like? What does it choose as an action? How does it behave? And what we're seeing is like, as a collective, we're getting really accustomed to instant gratification and like self-serving and we want uh, only pleasure all of the time. And there's this uh, really push back against anything that takes effort and discipline, anything that takes discipline, anything that takes work, like our relationships, right? They take a lot of work. Yeah. And people when we're working, you know, I mean, like just working. like a basic job, like showing yes. up and doing a really good job and actually looking for things to do versus, yeah. Yeah, I, yes. I, know. Exactly. I think it, yeah. <laughs> it sounds so it's, like it's you get show- it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's, so that's showing up everywhere. Yeah. Everywhere. It leads into everything. It's a big thing we're seeing. And and then the, the weird thing for us being, you know, in the yoga community and kind of like that spiritual alternative community is we're seeing it even blend into that and like uh, maybe new age spirituality and like the self-love movement mm-hmm. and get really confused between true self-love, which we would feel is cultivating this acceptance of equal parts effort, right? And uh, equal, equal parts, parts surrender uh, that we see in the yoga, but it's, it's completely just throwing it all out the door and calling everything self-love. <laughs> self-love yeah. is I, having Oh my gosh. Everybody should just hallelujah to this because <laughs> I think we almost have to like just scrap everything and start over and just start with the premise. Life is hard. Thank you. We're going to, right? Like just let's like, yes, we're going to have and, lots and of joy. Okay. And, but life is hard. And it, that's, that's a great thing, right? Because if it wasn't, how would we even discern when something is easy and wonderful and fluid and relationship you've worked toward, like, like there would be no reward, zero. You, everything comes your way. That's why people that are born and wealthy are often the most miserable. They've never had to work or worry or effort. And we need to work. We need to struggle. We need to fall on our knees, you know? And yeah, I've met oh, my, I've met my people. Love it. I know. Preach. <laughs> Preach. That's awesome. Yeah, we that is our- version to that. We it, don't there's such an aversion. And it's so great to, to hear your passion for it too, because we, we just constantly are getting pushback. And it's great to come across someone else who just totally gets it. And- because we're constantly, our, our work, honestly, we're, we're often um, on this topic. We're always saying, look, you need to get good at facing discomfort. It's mm-hmm. just, if you want to truly be on the yoga path, get ready to be uncomfortable and get good at sitting in that uncomfort. Like sit in it and just be in it. That means like your relationship, your relationship has, issues. has it issues. It doesn't just mean like... It, it means your job is tough. It means your, your discipline is tough. It means you got to take care of your health and, and you eating don't... healthy takes effort. And like, you name it, right? Every category of life. It's like discipline, face oh. the discomfort. And we're You're becoming my person. so like- I said discipline <laughs> is the best word ever. Discipline gives you freedom. Exactly. Yes, dis- yeah, our saying we always say is discipline <laughs> yeah. is the highest form of freedom. Yes. Because if, you, if we can't discipline ourselves and we are completely controlled and manipulated by to and fro, you, all you got to do is dangle a carrot of desire in front of someone and they will just Oh, abandon whatever they, Mm, you know, and and it's, and it's brutal and it's showing up in so many categories of life that this is like, this is definitely the biggest topic for sure. So it's not to cast judgment. It's just to bring awareness awareness that the fruits of that are, are never going to be 
the fruits that we 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 actually we want. We, we want. want this satisfying relationship. We want success. We want to have peace in our lives. And it's been proven through time and history that this is this aversion to discomfort is never going to bring those fruits. Yeah, and that's all. It's issue. like if you know that mm-hmm. and you want to just keep pleasure chasing, that's fine. Just know the fruits it's going to bring. And so uh we see this coming out in these epidemics, like not wanting to work anymore, not wanting to have a, ch- a relationship, a long-term relationship, just it's hard, move on, find somebody else, go on Tinder and swipe, right? It's like mm-hmm. not putting in the work to 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 create that life. You know, with the porn epidemic or the substance use, it's like everything should just be right there at my fingertips to please and serve me. And this pattern and habit and theme of consciousness yeah. is creating havoc in people's lives. And they're not making they the connection exactly. that yeah. uh, you're using porn every day or you're drinking every day or smoking marijuana every single day, avoiding all this discomfort. And that's why you're not happy. They can't usually see that. They don't connect. They're like, that has nothing to do with you know my relationship. They're like, problem. no, it's actually you. You're the one that's pissing me off. It's like, no, dude, you're irritable because you just looked at porn yesterday or this morning. And you can't and handle now your brain's withdrawing. a single... <laughs> disturbance from pleasure. Yeah. Right. So yeah. And and I think then, you know, the layers go beyond because I think when you're living in that kind of half awake state, the choices you make, if you're able to, I mean, again, it's not a judgment, but it becomes easier and easier to be less moral. And I don't mean that from a Christian standpoint. I mean, just from being a human that wants to do the best, cause the least suffering. I think that we're Mm -hmm. really you know, um, that's, that's, I think the thing that the work does is it's hard to look deep within yourself. It's hard to look at the world and see how choices that you've made are contributing to suffering, you know, cause I'm vegan and been a vegan for 20 years. And I'm like, it's, it's, it was the easiest choice. You can only make, you only make it hard because of, you know, all the things you're thinking you're missing out on. But what it becomes beautiful and immediately is the hypocrisy is lifted. You're really like, you know, very as clear as possible if you're living in that alignment, if, you know, like for me. Um, so I think when people, I'm sure, like when they're in pornography and all that, they are just not, they're not in on a channel that is clear and aware of the choices they're making in so many other realms. Yeah. It's definitely systemic for sure. So, so that's definitely why we, that's why we love this, this approach of trying to help people see there's a theme to it. And uh, this is definitely the theme that we're seeing the most is just this avoidance to seeing that chasing our pleasures, whatever it is, it, it has a neg- it brings suffering. Um, and that's the whole path of yoga, right? It's like the whole, the whole path of yoga is to alleviate suffering, to transcend suffering, to, uh, you know, the whole concept to of be enlightenment. Clear what you just said, Laura, to be self-aware, awake on your highest frequency, to be from a place of sovereign sovereignty, to cause no harm, all these mm-hmm. things, right? It's like, because that's our highest joy. Mm-hmm. And the world tells us that our highest joy is like on the other end of the spectrum. And it's so ironic. It's so yeah. ironic. that It is like what you acquire, what, how much you make, all those things is what is perceived to be bringing you can happiness, but you know, it's, it's how you, how you manage yourself really, like how you conduct yourself and the choices you make and are they in alignment? We just know when they're not. 
at some level. And, and it might not, like you said, I'm sure that um, all the work you do, the shadow work on really uncovering. So um, tell us what, if, if there are people who are listening now, um, what, are, what is some work that you offer at, in a, like a group setting or virtual or in person? Uh, they are located, ah, I'm going to have to come <laughs> visit very soon, on yes, one of my favorite please. places in the world, Big Island of Hawaii, like its own vortex of healing and energy and it's just phenomenal. But tell us where people can find you and work with you because I think you guys are just, I've just fallen in love with you. I want to come. Ah, yay. We love you too. Thank you. I, Laura, I didn't even tell you this, but I actually know so many people who have trained with you. So I was so excited to do this interview because oh, that's I'm like, amazing. I'm in, she's such an amazing teacher. This is so cool. Like I know so many of your students and uh, teachers and, uh, you know, worked with them. So, uh, it was oh, so cool that's to, incredible. I didn't know that. Well, that's wonderful. Yeah. So you probably know I'm very, very comfortable with making people uncomfortable. Yes. And, yes. you know, they'll be like, well, somebody, I was, people are going to be confused. I'm like, let them be confused. Like, come on. People are just, yeah. you know, this is not a performance. I want them tapped in so that they're actually listening, focusing on themselves. You know, and so it's just funny because I'm, I use all that same language. It, it yeah, isn't like, yeah. we are, we should be a little bit uh, more comfortable with being uncomfortable because, you know, again, this is how we grow. We, we never yeah. grow from sitting around eating snacks. <laughs> All right. We're just going to grow from, <laughs> we're going to grow from challenge and some struggle. And boy, that's where it's confronted. You know, this whole, well, what does it look like versus I don't look, you know, I'm like, who fucking cares? Like be it with you and challenge you. Don't worry about anybody else in the room or in the world mm-hmm. as it were. Yeah, anyway, so thank I was, you. I was so, I'm so to glad to, to hear you. that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you can find us. We're obviously the yoga couple. And uh, if you go to the yoga couple.com, we have, we have courses on like, uh, you know, couples that are working with this porn addiction without the guilt, without the shame, like how to process that and get to the root of like, why did yeah, we even because, start this habit? You know, underneath all these things is a, is a program and is usually a coping mechanism for sure. You know, to, to yeah. really make sure and wrap that up is like that pleasure seeking it, it comes from a wound just to be nice and like clear about it. So there's so much compassion that's important yeah. in healing that because we, we don't become pleasure seeking. Uh, we're running from something, mm-hmm. right? Like there's mm-hmm. a wound there. So um, yeah, we help people through that. Yeah. For sure. So we have courses on that. We have Matt's counseling on that webpage, but you can find us on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, all the places just at the yoga couple. Oh my gosh. You all are adorable. I really, I love your work. And might I add, you're also, I mean, I was reading this I have to find out about this. What is this battle of the fittest couple on Paramount Network? <laughs> I mean, this is a little off brand. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I love it. I love it. It's like so great when people have multifaceted things. Yeah, yeah. you can watch us on reality TV and watch us battle for $100,000 on Paramount watch Network. Watch the power of yoga transcend yes. uh, weightlifters. Yeah. <laughs> I absolutely love it. So we can, this has been out already. We can just Google this. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah it was 2000. 2000- oh 2019. Yeah. So it's, it's out on Paramount Network. You can go to the website. And, okay. And I definitely want to do that. And, that must've yeah. been so fun. Now that can just like, you can check that right off your list. Done reality TV. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much. This was really for everybody listening. Please go check them out. I can sense, um, just, and I have good instincts <laughs> that you are <laughs> such you. the real deal and would be, it would be such an honor to 
to work with you in person or virtually. So please check out the yoga couple, Matt and Nat, and you guys are just adorable. So thank you so much. And for everybody that's listening, I'm pulling for you. 